0: This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org.
1: Hello there and welcome to episode one of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we'll be going back into our archive to July 2013 for a hangout with Howard Kellett from God First Church in Cheltenham. Howard will be talking to us about two types of church. He'll be talking about attractional churches where we're trying to draw people into us and everyday churches where we're living our faith out day by day in the things that we do. We'll be looking at the pros and the cons of these two approaches to church planting. You can find the full hangout, including the Q&A section and all the notes, at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode one. So without any further delay, here's Howard.
2: I am 53 and I've been involved in church planting since 1990. I was, um, I was first, the first church plant I was involved in was in side. Um, with another network, it's Covenant Ministries, um, and actually that church became Jubilee Church that Jeremy Simpkins uh, took on and led uh, f- successfully. As then was involved in, uh, I was a part of King's Church, Catford and Sidcup uh, for a season when I joined New Frontier, So I worked with Dave Holden, not on his staff, and then I joined staff with Steve Tiver in. Catford, in King's Catford, I moved to Manchester, which is down know, Dave Harper and the guys in the peak, and planted a church in the inner city in Salford, uh, sort of nine, uh, 2001, and moved out of there in about 2009, end of 2009. And the last three years I've been in uh, Cheltenham uh, doing a church plant there. So, three church plants, I uh, led the last two and was part of the team on the first one. I guess if you asked me what the uh, church plant uh, differences were, you'd say, well, the obvious differences are two northern cities, uh, two large conurbations, Teesside, I don't know, half a million, maybe, maybe a bit less, 300,000. Greater Manchester, 2.5 million. Cheltenham, 120,000 in the south. And you'd expect, I suppose, that that was the main difference between them. And obviously, it is a significant difference. But the main difference in my thinking really and this is when I talk to Colin and Tim the main difference in my thinking is the um, approach that I've taken uh, and so I just want to really talk about uh, two approaches and again it, it may be familiar to you but I guess if I tell it with my story it might put some color to it I just want to talk about perhaps doing an, a more attractional approach to church planting and kind of some of the things that have worked well from that, and some of the things that have not worked well. And then I was struggling to find what the opposite of that was. Uh, I guess if you go on the net, you find sort of missional as the opposite of attractional, or you find incarnational as the opposite of attractional. Uh, But I've settled on every day uh, as the opposite of attractional. Um, I guess if you talk to attractional church people, Um, I guess the person, I don't know, you probably could in your groups maybe think of who who the main person would be in uh, New Frontiers. But I guess having worked with Steve Tibbett, he's kind of my model of an attractional church. And uh, I remember when I joined the church in Catford as their evangelist, the church was probably about 160. And they'd not seen anyone saved for a while. And the church had really bottomed out. Steve took it over. He'd been there about a year when I joined the staff. Um, and what, what we did is basically work a very um, Sundays model. We worked on a – Steve will even talk about now, if you go on his coaching, he still talks about doing a big Sundays model. Or uh, My uh, brother-in-law works for him doing social action, and he calls it their Sundays is matchday model. And actually, they've, they would say that their model is missional. They've seen a lot of people saved. Um, they've seen a lot of people uh, attracted to church. And they work through the usual situation of baptisms uh, to draw, draw people, dedications, Mother's Day, carol services, that whole kind of thing. And um, so that was, that's their kind of model. And so they would say they're missional. So I don't think it's a really helpful thing to say that attraction isn't missional. In fact, when I planted the first church, I was involved in the first church, the the grid really wasn't, um, I've done it on here as it were, attractional at one side and kind of incarnational and missional at the other side. The grid was really, were you a pastoral church involved in pastoral maintenance uh, or were you uh, a missional church or an outreach church, an evangelistic church? And there really wasn't another model than that. You either were a church that... Again, I don't want to be rude about Anglicans because they've changed as, as the cultures changed. but very much the kind of parish church that had a number of people that would uh, look after and serve uh, a group of people. Church planting was not on the agenda there. And, um, and I guess that at that sort of time, sort of Bill Hybels and others started to talk about much more about getting the church out to receive people, lost people saved and see people being missional. And they kind of developed what became the attractional church model. In other words, it was about coming to the meeting, come to us and we'll preach you the gospel and that sort of thing. So actually, you can't really contrast attractional and missional as if attractional isn't missional. It's just one form of missional. But recently what's happened, I guess, is that there are two forms of uh, two approaches you can take to church planting. And I guess... I just wanted to talk from my experience about both of those, about some of the things that I did in Manchester with a really attractional base model and some of the things I missed there and some of the things I've tried to do in Cheltenham uh, in terms of trying to do it slightly differently. So that, that's kind of where we're going to go. Um, it may be familiar uh, territory, but hopefully as I tell my story, uh, you might kind of pick up what we're doing. So I, guess, I don't know, maybe you could turn in your group's Uh, just, and you don't have to talk to me about it, but just turn to your group just for uh, 30 seconds. And just, if you could say, if uh, if I've written Attractional up here on the board, don't know how well you can see it, but if you had to say, give us three or four little phrases or words that would, uh, you could say, summarize this Sunday's Attractional Church model, if you're familiar with it, just turn in your groups to do that. I'll write three of my little phrases up and then we'll we'll talk about them, okay? Is that okay? You want to do that? Yes, thumbs up, you got it? Okay, so just do that for a minute while I write these. okay so i've I've written there i don 't know what you've written I've written Sunday meeting focused based on attractive events and uh, targeted programs. so basically it's a kind of come to us approach, and actually there's there's loads of merit in a, a come to us approach. There's loads of things that um, you know so good people say Rick Warren of Saddleback. Uh, purpose-driven church he would have a come-to-us approach and uh, Bill Highballs of Willow Creek he would also have a come-to-us approach and I remember in Catford in those two people when I was working with Steve were really influential in trying to get the church off a pastoral setting into a, a missional setting and so we used a lot of their strategies so we would talk about targeting a particular. So Rick Warren talks about uh, Saddleback Sam, about targeting a particular individual or tar- targeting a particular group of people that you're hoping to reach. And Bill Hybels obviously would be, if you hear him, he's a really compelling evangelist. And when he talks about seeing lost people saved, uh, he'd, he'd do that. But the way that that was done was through, I guess, Bill Hybels in an extreme sense would be through seeker services, drawing people into that kind of setting. And then you would work, uh, work people through different programs. So Alpha would be a program and then there'd be an Alpha Plus or there'd be a marriage course or there'd be a, some kind of discipleship course. And so the, the, the basic model was you would go and attend church meetings and you go and attend those kind of things. Now, it's interesting, what I observed, uh, I don't know what kind of words you got, but what I, what I observed is that um, New Frontiers really... Uh, I think increasingly started to talk that kind of way Um, and it's not a negative thing so when I went to Manchester the whole talk about was building a large church Uh, there was the kind of emphasis on the city Uh, centre, Mark Driscoll had talked about being upstream of culture and that whole kind of sense of um building something substantial uh measuring the church by the uh size of the Sunday morning meeting not that lost people weren't getting saved but that was really it and then you would the way that you would grow is that you'd increase with finance and then you would hopefully add some staff and then you get a bigger venue and I don't know if if that's a sort of familiar model but I remember certainly at prayer and fasting the lots of discussion in the latter years became about getting a building uh, you know we would pray for people getting a big building and you know cck got a great building and people were given warehouses and and that became very much kind of like the way that you uh became successful and the way that you validated success and obviously uh, if your church was large uh, and I think this isn't just New Frontiers. I know I went to a, a New Wine thing, and they banned discussion about how large your church was. But, s- was. but certainly the whole kind of feeling was that you, that, you, that you were looking for ABC, as one person put it. You were looking for attendance and buildings and cash. And if you could get those kind of ABC things, then you were definitely going to go out on the right road. Now, the interesting thing was that um, – that was the model also for church planting. So I remember being involved uh, in Manchester and um, I, as, soon as, we arrived, as soon as I arrived there, there was a group of 10 people that had been doing it in a, uh, meeting in a house, pioneering, digging out, doing a lot of the hard stuff. And actually, I met one of those guys a few weeks ago and he said, you didn't really – say anything significant or thank you for that hard work that you've done and i thought oh man i feel really bad about that but they've done a lot of the early digging out and i guess some of you guys who were just thinking about it you know that early stage of gathering the first five six seven eight nine ten um is really really hard and actually you always have to do that without a sunday meeting but what started to happen was that um, when the network really got into church planting and other networks and stuff that you've read from the States, it was all about this, the big launch. Um, it was all about almost uh, getting to the launch. And I remember being involved with um, Dave Stroud, latterly writing his book. I think I've got it on my shelf actually somewhere. Shall I name check Dave Stroud book? Here it is. It's the ro- Dave Stroud planting uh, churches... Changing Communities, The Church Plans Manual. Really helpful book and has loads to say that's, that's really useful. But my observation, and I shouldn't criticise Dave's book, my observation is that, that you, uh, the perception was that the way to do it was that you were going to gather a Sunday. Now, the interesting thing for Dave Stroud, because he's a highly gifted leader, unlike all of us, and uh, has a kind of contact book, Uh, full of people that he can invite to be involved in the church he really starts almost with a ready-made church now he's taking that church on not to criticize him he's taking those 50 people and that money that was given to him and you know he's multiplied it in the parable of the talents very well so I'm not criticizing him but but I felt he didn't quite understand what it was like if you were just trying to gather some people and get to a Sunday morning meeting the whole thing was you get to the Sunday morning meeting. That was the point. And I remember in Manchester, the way we got to a Sunday morning meeting was uh, the Message Trust, uh, a parachurch organisation in Manchester, gave me eight people to work on an estate. I I, I pulled in a few of my buddies, eight, ten of my buddies. We had about ten people who were uh, already on the ground. And immediately we had 20, 25, and we went to a Sunday within five, six months. And I think also... At that time, the network was uh, quite mobilized. Uh, Stoneleigh had just finished and um, people were really willing to to make the move. And I don't know, and my kind of advice, I was involved with this guy who was trying to, Dave Harper, remember this, trying to plant in Preston. And um, all that, the only advice I could give him was gather some of your friends and get a Sunday morning meeting started. I really wasn't very, very helpful because that, that was the model. That's how I would got to the start. And that was what was talked about. And it's interestingly, as I progressed through, through that kind of phase in Manchester, while the attendance graph was going up and to the right, I kind of forgot about all the negatives of um, that, the challenges of just doing a kind of attractional model. So maybe... What we could do is, um, in your groups, talk about maybe what's some of the negatives of doing an attractional model, and then we'll maybe talk about that as a church plan particularly. Okay? Is that right? Would you do that? It feels difficult because I'd like to get feedback as a teacher, but if you do that, so if you just turn in your groups and try and talk about some of the negatives of of maybe doing a church plant in a purely attractional model, which has been modelled maybe by people at the centre or modelled by people with with lots of influence and doesn't really work very well for people at the margins or people who are doing it very organically. So why don't you just turn in your groups to do that and then uh, we'll see how we get on. Okay, so I'll give you um, a couple of minutes to do that. Think of some negatives or some downsides of an attractional church planting model. Tim, you talk to me while they're doing it. Hello, can you hear me? Uh,
0: hello, yes, good. Yeah, it's doing great. I, I, it's, it feels very strange with no feedback. <laughs> you can, If you want, you can get feedback on this and I, I can compare it for you. Why don't we do that? Sure. Why don't we do that? Why don't we pull some reflections on some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses of this? Yeah. Okay, that'd be good. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to call on um, Stockholm, Stockholm and Riga. Officially, uh, you got any thoughts on what how he has said so far? Any attractional?
3: Um, yeah, I guess uh, partly um, we're just trying to explain some of the terms across languages. So that's oh, taking. Um, sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. Um, it's it's a good discussion, but it's sort of uh, with kind of crossing language about um, things as well. So sort of trying to. Uh, explain terms and concepts so that's helpful all in itself i would say that one of the challenges i've found personally having kind of planted one church doing attractional and then trying a different approach would be the numbers of people that you need to serve to to kind of uh to run a sunday and the effect that that has on people um for what else that they can do so so mm. all of their available energy, church becomes an, an add on to the Sunday becomes a sort of a, an extra service fit for people's week. That takes up time and energy. Mm. And, and once they've done that, they're done. You yes. know, so they're, 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 they're tired, they're tired out. Um, and so you need a larger number to be able to not exhaust people to run a Sunday. Yes. Okay, so that's definitely
2: a downside. Obviously, really? if you can do it successfully, you can gather a crowd, which is kind yeah. of, happens. say, Dave Capenow in Belfast, although he's doing a different model, Matt Hatch, although they're doing a different model. Because they've been very successful in attract- attracting people, they've got more people than can do their Sundays. But definitely, Sunday becomes this kind of monster that consumes all your time and energy. Anybody else got some feedback? Tim, do you want to pull it in?
0: Yeah, uh, guys in Luton, Mike. Uh, any thoughts that are jumping out to you guys? You have to turn your microphone on. Okay, remember.
1: Yeah, mic's on now. Oh, well done. very are looking to me. It's not very attractive. <laughs> what? Attractional? Yeah. Well,
0: no. Uh, I was Tony. There, I can't if, see Tony. It's not very attractive.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair so, enough. As a small church plant, you're not very attractive. Uh, which is uh, an addition to Phil's point. Yes. And also the fact that even as you develop, you're only attracted to a small percentage of the people.
2: Brilliant. Absolutely, yes. Yes. So uh, one of the things that um, uh, some guys I've read, Tim Chester in a book, you've probably seen it. This is a... Everyday Church, it looks the wrong way around on the camera, but Everyday Church by Tim Chester and Steve Timmis. they mention a survey that says that uh, th- 70% of people are never going to come to church whatever you do, let me add a quote here actually, I'll read that, because I think Tony's made a good point there, here we go this is what it says, a quote from Everyday Church, 70% of the population in the UK maybe less in Western Europe have no intention of ever attending a service, a church service. And he says, that means that new styles of worship will not reach them. Fresh expressions of church will not reach them. Alpha and Christianity explored will not reach them. Guest services will not reach them. Churches meeting in pubs will not reach them. Toddlers churches meeting at the end of the school day will not reach them. The vast majority of unchurched and de people would not turn to church even if faced with difficult personal circumstances or even in the event of national tragedies. It's not a question of improving the product of church meetings and evangelistic events. It means reaching people apart from meetings and events. So the whole point about Attractional Church is it only reaches a
0: small section. So that's a a great point, Tony. Thank you. Um, Guys in uh, Coventry, uh, from what um, has been said about Attractional, have you got any thoughts, Earls of Wisdom, um, yeah, we've just said quite similar things, really. That uh, you're only going to reach people who are like you to start with, because
3: that's naturally who you're going to be drawn to, and so perhaps naturally who you're going to be inviting. So you're going to mm-hmm. or limiting who you who you're going to be uh,
0: involved with straight away. I think.
2: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and like we said, I think that only a small pool of people are ever going to step foot inside a church just to come to a church event, whereas the majority of people, I think, actually wouldn't
3: come to something that a church puts on, so you need to go to them. It's kind of what we've started chatting about.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to find very good. Nice. I mean, what, let, 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 me, let me ask this question. Oh, Dave, go on, give your
0: comment. Um, do you, I was going to ask to get the peaks of that to say. so how would yeah, you go for it please, please do it? yeah i think I think there is a place for the attractional, yes, if you've done the everyday right at some point where you've built your bridges out into community you you've worked into perhaps specific social groups, there comes a place where you can call, gather them to something if you think you can cast it in a way that they would yes. find attractional, yes. but the attraction comes more from the relationships you build than necessarily the event. But anyway, that's where we're thinking at the moment, having reached into certain social group that we could we want we want, we, we want something that knits something together. So yeah, I don't know if that's valid
2: thought. No, no, thank you. I, I think that one of the things that Uh, tends to happen is that people put attractional in one circle Mm. and missional or incarnational in the other circle and you've almost make you choose Mm. do you want to be an incarnational go to them kind of uh, Mm. like the country guy Mm. said or you're going to be a come to us like the sort of American church planting model says and actually I I agree you you, you want a bit of a continuum you want to really find your place on that continuum uh, yeah. but I, what i 'm suggesting is that if you go for an attractional only model to start with uh, you 're going to be worn out and you're going to it 's not going yeah. to be very helpful. but I think there are other things that also an attractional model doesn 't do so although it wears you out actually i don 't think it produces the type of church that you want to be part of so one of the shocks that I found in Manchester was that Uh, I didn't really want to be part of the church that I'd built anymore because what had happened is that we'd lost some of the organic things that I didn't really realize that I valued. So what happens is if church becomes uh, about the Sunday and it becomes about programs, it it also becomes very much a, a kind of corporate kind of feel. So the I don't know if people have come across the kind of Mark Driscoll air war type idea where the senior leader is talking big picture doing Sunday mornings doing air war and he leaves someone else to do the ground war. But actually what happens is if that's your approach, then church becomes very, very corporate and you, you don't really get the the type of people that you want. So you don't get... Um, so I've written five things that I think are weaknesses of a tractional model in church planting. I think one, some of these were mentioned. The first one, it devalues everyday Christian living. So everybody's energy is thrown into the Sunday morning, has been said. And that uh, that what you do during the week just gets disconnected because church is all about Sundays. Sundays is match day. It gets all about Sundays and it devalues everyday Christian living. And what also I think what happens is that Uh, discipleship kind of becomes attendance and I still have this I talk to my friend Pete Cornford who's planting in Ealing and we moan about the fact that people don't come and it's actually you know one of these things oh why don't people come and oh they must be consumers and they should come and that's really because we've got this idea that coming shows you're a disciple that attending shows that you live in the Christian life. And, and so therefore, what happens is we create a subtle kind of legalism where the guys who, I had one guy, I won't mention his name in Manchester, great guy, but he said to me one time, I, I know how to become an elder. He didn't become an elder. Dave Harper had a lot more wisdom than that. But he said, the way to become an elder with you, Howard, is you need to turn up to the meetings. And I'd created this culture where discipleship actually was about turning up. It wasn't really about life change and having a walk with Jesus and it became. So I think that the attractional model uh, reduces the kind of discipleship culture that you want to create in a church. I think it makes evangelism invitational only so that um, I know Bill Hybels has done this thing on uh, Contagious Church, which is very helpful about kind of evangelism styles. Uh, and I, I, I think it's helpful, but only, one of the styles is invitational. But what happens is if you have an attractional church, all you're doing to people is saying, here's a card, invite them to this alpha, or here's a card, invite them to this church meeting. And so instead of empowering people to be gospel people, we're just empowering people to kind of be marketing people just to put out leaflets and stuff like that. So it depowers discipleship, it depowers evangelism, it focuses all the gospel onto sunday mornings so gospel preaching becomes gospel so i remember when i was younger um you know churches in 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 the evening would have a gospel service and the gospel was uh something that was preached to church buildings hoping that there'd be an unbeliever there the gospel didn't really invade everyday life it wasn't really something that was part of discipleship, part of creating the culture of the church. It was really something that, that was used as, if you agree with these propositions about the gospel, then you go to heaven when you die. And, and, it, and even the way that we did that kind of, pro, kind of produced uh, consumers who came to a meeting and heard the expert preacher. So I think it, it, it devalues it. And also, one of the things, and I'd be interested in what you think on this, is I think that also vision casting had become shaped by this attractional church model. Uh, I, I don't know if you've used, um, if you set goals in your churches or, or you have a vision statement in your churches, but often they would be um, shaped around kind of what I think they were called smart goals, which uh, if I remember is specific, measurable, attainable realistic and time-framed and there's this whole idea that vision became about me- me- hitting your goals so i remember in catford steve would have a goal for how many we would grow because we need to be measurable how many would get saved or how much money would be given or how we would gr- uh, you know step to a new building or a new events or whatever and and actually what it means is that the the qualitative stuff of church life which are harder to measure you don't you don't look into uh, you know one of the phrases is what you measure is what you value and so the whole vision casting which was attached to gold setting uh, felt to me as if it, it just became another kind of corporate thing that's the thing that corporate industry does they have mission statements that's what schools do mission statements but my family doesn't have a mission statement. We've hopefully got some culture or some values that are more important. So I felt that all those three, five things there are um helpful, kind of things or, or negative things. Sorry that 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 attractional church. If you want to plant that way, kind of rips out of what you're trying to do as as, as a church planter. So why don't you just take a minute or two and just discuss those and see how that fits to your context i'll breathe and then we'll go to what i'm trying to do now maybe
0: i'm not going to use a whiteboard i don't think it works we can see the whiteboard pretty well actually how you i can yeah all right okay i just don't know my handwriting's good enough (laughs) well it is teacher's handwriting it is yeah okay Right? Do you want to go? You, I reckon you have got about ten minutes left. If you want okay, to finish right. up, wait. Okay. Okay. So,
2: I guess in, in when I moved to Cheltenham, um, I, I I felt I'd, I'd kind of tried and done reasonably well with an attractional church, but but I I, I felt increasingly it wasn't me. Um, I remember a guy called Paul Reed. Some of you may know who led a, a large church in Belfast and he said to me Howard you've become detached from your church and you've become detached from who who you are and I, th- I felt that this kind of drivenness to get numbers and run after venues and stuff was creating in me a, a, as a manager and and I didn't feel that that was really where I'd started. I'd started much more relationally. And when you start church planting at the beginning, you start much more relationally. So I guess in, in, in Manchester, in Cheltenham, I sat down and wrote, I asked basically four questions, I wrote them down here, which I never really asked myself in Manchester. My aim in Manchester was to get a big church uh, which seems, well, that seems a good thing, but actually I never asked the values questions. So these are the questions I ask myself, and I think they're good questions to maybe, as a church planter, what what should you be asking yourself? So I think the first question was, what shape is the church plan going to take? I don't think it's enough to just define that in terms of big or small. I think you need to define that in terms of what is the, what's the culture or the ethos uh, that... that, that Predominates in the church um, what's the theological emphasis that's going to shape this church what's God put in me or what's God put in the church planter that, that actually is going to help to shape this church because although you don't want to build a church that's shaped around you if, you if you shape it if you try and do something that's not you it's not going to come out very, uh, very well shaped and I also ask the questions what things do I need to do the same and what things do I need to do differently from the church I've been in? Now, the church I've been in is one I've planted, uh, but some of you might think, yeah, the church I'm the church, in, mean, there's things that I'd like to do the same and the things that I'd like to do differently. I remember Matt uh, Hatch in Leeds uh, talking about when he was going to plant Mosaic. He said to me, Howard, I'm not trying to do a cookie-cutter New Frontiers Church. And I think sometimes when we're church planting, we don't really ask the question, well, what's the shape of this church going to be? We're we're more saying, how can we get some people? Or or how can we get a Sunday? Or how can we get those things? So I think it's good to stop and ask those questions. And I, I basically read around a few things and started off with a blank piece of paper. And I came up over the last year or so, I've come up with one, two, three, four, five, seven little sound bites that are from other people, couple from me, that I feel kind of try and shape what I'm trying to do now in Channel, which is a much more everyday kind of church. So um, I'll just read them, and then we'll just I'll just say what they are. So the first one you might have heard is by a guy called Leslie Newbegin, who was a missionary in India, and then came back and did uh, lots of writing on uh, on being missional church in uh, in the West. So he took his experience of being a missionary and applied that to working in a post-Christendom secular culture. And he said this, and I think it's a brilliant quote, the gospel community is the hermeneutic of the gospel. In other words, what he was saying is that the way that the gospel is understood is not only through preaching, it's not even primarily these days through preaching. Don't mishear me, I've not become a heretic and don't believe in preaching anymore. But actually, most of the people are going to hear... The gospel—they're going to hear it lived in. They're going to see it lived in your life. They're not really going to see it through what you say. So I don't know if you're familiar with that kind of uh, idea, but but certainly people are. Um, what we do images the gospel much more than what we say, and so that that be, that became a really kind of strong thing that we we're trying to say. Say no, actually, the lives we live uh, need to need to demonstrate the gospel, and that that needs to be. Uh, lives that we live with the 70% of people who are never ever going to come to church as well as the 30% of people who might come to a meeting if we have a meeting here's another one uh, from Tim Chester and he said this church programs exist to do what Christians should be doing in everyday life church programs exist to do what Christians should be doing in everyday life and, um, and I'm not against church programs but I guess what you're really looking for is for people not to be attending meetings, but you're looking them for them to be sharing lives together. Obviously, if you read the kind of Acts two forty two template about um, church, there was there was a Sunday gathering, or there was a meeting in the temple courts, but there's also a kind of everyday in their homes sharing lives, breaking bread, that sort of thing, and so. Uh, that that I didn't really see many church programs you might have had some deacons who fed the poor but I didn't see lots and lots of courses that was done that were done in classrooms and that that kind of model of teaching people through a course even through something like this really in one sense uh, can only is not really an ideal substitute for sharing your life with somebody and so you're going to learn best to be a disciple of Jesus by being with somebody who's a disciple of Jesus and you're going to learn best to be a church planter by being with somebody who's who's maybe church planting so obviously I know Tony Thompson in the past has done training but as, as he's done it he's a good guy to be around because you learn it and things are learned not through programs but they're learned through everyday life so church programs exist for what we should be doing in everyday life which means that we should be talking about how we live in our lives we should be discipling each other in everyday life rather than saying oh let's put on a discipleship course and I believe that's much more missional it's a much more way of connecting with people than it is by saying let's put lots of courses on here's another one Mike Breen who was in Sheffield for a while if you make disciples you will always get the church but if you try to build the church, you'll rarely get disciples. I guess in Manchester, what I tried to do is I tried to get a big crowd and then hopefully make them into disciples. I guess what I felt at the beginning was we're starting from scratch. I do want to build a church. It's not that I don't want to do that. But I thought, let's do some, atten- let's create a culture of discipleship. So what we've put in, in Cheltenham is put a, where we meet together in threes and but also in our, our gospel communities, our mission communities, we're making it so that people can be just really open about their lives. I remember one person who joined us, a younger guy who'd um, got divorced quite young, and we just we were talking, I shared my story, he shared his story. And I don't think he ever, ever shared his story, never shared the hurts, never shared the ups and downs of his story. And the reality was he'd been plugged into church for ages and no one had really found out about who this guy was and so it really it it was an incredibly emotional time when he shared his story and we've had a number of people who've come and as they've sort of said this is who i am and this is my journey and even if they're not christians just to say where they are that has helped us to create much more a sense of discipleship culture and i feel that that as we went forward that 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 culture really kind of was part of the church so uh, and here's another one from Mike Green. If you aim for community, you won't get mission. But if, people, if you disciple people well, you'll always get mission. And one of the things that I felt as we've tried to build around missional communities is we've kind of lost our way a little bit in, in just being community. We've lost our way in we just eat together, hang out together and do those things that are part of it. But actually, unless we've got some intentionality to say we want to connect with people that are outside our, outside our sphere, outside our uh, group, then what happens is the, the, the group just becomes turned in. I think Martin Luther described sin as a man turned in on himself. And I think it's very easy for community to turn in on itself. Whereas really what you want is you want, the, like the Trinitarian God, is turned out relationally. You want people to be turned out. And we've used that language a lot, although we, we want to focus on people's inner life and discipleship, that we don't want to be turned inwards. We want to be turned outwards. Uh, one more, two more. Um, the shape of the church is not corporate but family. One of the things we've tried to do is to think about how that we make church much more family. And not in terms of just, um, isn't it nice to be family together, but actually in terms of, uh, I, I gospel my kids when they watch stuff on TV and when they're out and about, they're teenagers now, and I say, why do you think that? What, what, how does Jesus, the gospel, reply, apply to that? And we try to do that, in a sense, in our gospel communities. We try to be real and honest about how our lives are going. We tried to apply the the gospel to that. So we're trying to do a much more organic kind of thing. Okay. So one more thing. So what we've done then in Cheltenham is we've built these gospel communities. But actually the interesting thing is it was going incredibly slowly. We weren't really gathering many people because although it sounds very good on paper, it's a long-term mission strategy. If you went to an unreached people group and, and just work relationally, you'd find it very, very difficult to, to, to gather people. It would take a long, long time. And so, if you, but what I thought was that you need to run a both and strategy. We need to run a, a strategy that uh, has some attractional, as Dave Harper said, but also that you don't want to just say that's our only thing we're doing, that we're working a, a, sh- a longer term strategy to. To, to reach out to our neighbours, to reach out to friends, to actually share life together uh, on mission rather than just gather people to events. So that, that's kind of what we've done. The bottom line is most of our growth has come out of that 30%. Most of the growth has come out of the, the Sunday morning meeting. We've got a Sunday morning meeting. We gather about 65 now. And the more we've gathered through the Sunday morning meeting, the more I can feel the drift into... Oh, the Sunday morning meeting is going to do the job or the church is measured by the success of the Sunday morning meeting. And I've had to keep really fighting for the kind of core values of family and discipleship and openness and reaching out to our neighbors. And we've got to believe that that's been effective. And it was really brilliant just a month ago where we saw the first person who became a Christian without ever having any contact with any of our meetings. So it's been a kind of interesting process, and I, obviously, and I found this kind of rather interesting process in terms of how do you do, do that and how do you work through this. But be interesting for you maybe just as for Tim just to, to round it up and say, well, what kind of a, a approaches, or what kind of takeaways do you think we could do in terms of like being everyday church, in terms of living, living the gospel life, discipling each other in the everyday rhythms of our lives? How can that be an effective add on, how can it be an important part of what we're trying to do, particularly in unreached places where the Gospels are really, there's not a whole lot of church hoppers who are going to transfer into your church if you put on a good show.
1: Well, we hope you found what Howard had to say both provocative and challenging as your church planting. Just a reminder that you can find the full Hangout, including the Q&A that followed it, at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org/. Episode 1. And if you go to the broadcast website, so www.thebroadcastnetwork.org, you can find our full archive of Hangouts, podcasts, articles, and you can sign up to get the latest information about our upcoming programme.